0: Welcome back to the Everyday Hair Colourist. Today's guest is Vivian Johns. Vivian's been a salon owner for over 17 years. Her salon's been finalists at BHBA in two categories, the salon team and salon of the year, and they are very competitive categories. Um, So congratulations on that. She's been teaching social media to hairdressers for nearly two years, and I think we're really going to talk about that one too. And then another interesting piece, if there could be any more, is that she's part of the Hair.com team. So welcome, Vivian. How are you?
1: I'm very good, Jack. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Well,
0: it's an absolute pleasure. I mean, we chat all the time on Instagram, so I'm like, let's share the love.
1: Yeah, we do. It's funny, isn't it, how many Instagram friends we have. But I actually met you at the BHBA's, was it last year? It, it was last year. Very, was it last year?
0: Yes, Last it was. year. I yeah. think I was quite drunk last we year. We all the...
1: were drunk. We all were. <laughs> 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 That's the whole point of those events, isn't it? To all get together. But unfortunately, this year we haven't really been able to do that. So
0: no, it's been a bit. No, of we've a sad been doing year. it. It's been sad, but it's also been an interesting year. And I think we can talk about that more. I mean, it's definitely been a year of di- the year of digital, hasn't for it? For sure. Yes. For sure. For sure. Um, but Vivian, before we jump into like the twenty first century. Let's go back. I mean, you know, let's go back and how did you, hairdressing? How did you get into hairdressing?
1: So I started hairdressing when I was quite young. We, um, as a family, moved to the UK from Ireland when I was only fifteen, right. and I started hairdressing in Birmingham. Um, I actually started working at Umberto Giannini's first in Birmingham, oh, okay. which yeah. was amazing. What a like! What an amazing place to start hairdressing. I didn't even know I was walking into this salon. I just walked in and asked, "Did they have any jobs?" And it was Lisa Shepherd who was like interviewed me, you know. Wow. So it was incredible. What a great yeah. place to start! And from there, I went back to um, Dublin because I always told my mom I was going back. So you can't keep so, me here.
0: So you you're in Birmingham. Yeah. You're training. Did you do your complete training there?
1: No, I went and finished it in Dublin in Tony and Guy.
0: Right. Where okay. I worked,
1: worked there, and then. When I was 22, we moved to Cornwall because we had a little baby and we wanted to have a bit of more, you know, beach style, lifestyle, countryside. So we moved to Cornwall and that's where I met Nadine, who became my business partner in Hunter and Walsh. So we opened Hunter and Walsh in 2003.
0: Wow. So you, that, that's all pretty quick then, isn't it? So you start your training in Birmingham, you go back to Ireland, finish that. And then the next thing, you know, you're in Cornwall, you've got a baby and you've opened a salon.
1: Yeah. And I was 25. Wow. Yeah. So young to do that, isn't it? But I think the great thing about doing things, I always say this to people who don't really understand the hairdressing industry. You start at 16. You know, so by the time you're 20, you're pretty experienced. You know, you've been in the industry for four years. By the time you're 25, you've, you've been there nine years.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah, so you forget you, that, don't you?
1: Yeah, so you do, so you do see people in management positions and opening salons quite young. That's very common in our industry.
0: I can remember many, many, many moons ago. You know, when the dinosaurs were still walking amongst us, I can remember Sass at a little t- local show. And they were asking how long you 'd been in the industry, and you know i 'd been in it maybe three or four years and I can remember one of my coworkers said twelve years, and I thought oh god that 's old <laughs> and here I, and here i am thirty eight years into it i mean it's just it 's a fascinating industry isn 't it
1: it is and it 's ever changing, and you can really go in any direction so yeah. I mean I never really planned out to be a salon owner that wasn 't kind of what was on my radar but when we, when I moved to Cornwall. It just wasn't the type of salon that I was used to working in. and we well,
0: started off at, in two very strong salons. Yeah. yeah. And then,
1: obviously, I moved to Cornwall, and it was very small, kind of family-run salons, which is beautiful. But it just kind of lacked what I liked about the industry, which was a bit more of that kind of high-end go-getter, lots of education going on, up and down to London. So, myself and Nadine, we decided that we would open our own place and make that happen.
0: Yeah. I love that attitude as well. That's I love that make it happen attitude.
1: Yeah. And, you know, so from there, so we've been in business for 17 years and it hasn't all been plain sailing. Of course it hasn't. You know, it's it's been a lot of big ups and big downs. And, you know, for many years in the middle, it was tough. But over the last few years, it's absolutely, it has grown and grown and grown. And the salon is doing really well, despite lockdowns and despite covid and you know it's still it's still up there so it's really good it's really positive positive.
0: and how many people have you got working for you
1: in total there is 14 in the salon 10 stylists nine stylists i should say and then five supporting staff so it's quite big well, for yeah, a small good size time. yeah good size i mean we're in penzance jack which is like six miles from land's end
0: well, I'm going to have to say, I don't, I've never been to Penzance.
1: No, it's very far away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You know, you, it's pretty far from where you are. But
0: I do love Cornwall, though. It's yeah. a beautiful part of the world. What's it like, what's it like managing that many people? How do you, how do you, how do you navigate that? Because quite often on this podcast, we talk about running teams and developing teams, which are, it's, I think it's so important in the industry, but I know that I couldn't manage a team. I've got no patience for anything like that.
1: At yeah, all. It, it is. It is hard. And it's not something that you are. I don't think anybody's naturally able to do. It's something you learn over the years. You make a lot of mistakes and you learn from your mistakes along the way. But mm. I think for myself and Nadine, we put a lot of systems in place. So that really kind of. It's quite boring to put systems in place, but what it does is it kind of takes a lot of the blame away. So it's a bit like, can I have another Saturday off? I've already had four off this year. No, sorry, it's written down in the staff handbook that you can't. It's not my fault, it's just the policy, you know. So when when everything's written down and it's more clear, I think that really helps to manage a team. And I remember when I was working in Tony and Guy in Dublin, and I was probably 19 and I asked for an extra Saturday off and they said no. And I remember thinking, how awful, like, how could they not let you do it? And it was to go to a friend's wedding. But then when you've got a team of however many were in Ireland, then probably 100 or more, you can't say yes to one.
0: No, you can't say you well because everyone will be saying, Can I have the Saturday off? Can exactly. I have the Saturday off?
1: Exactly. So it's once you get these like really strong guidelines in place about how your salon operates and you stick to them, it really is the only fair way of managing a team. Mm. You know, it's the way it is. But then we offer a lot of flexibility as well. So we have done this for years where every one of our team members is allowed to, and not everybody does, they're allowed to have every other Saturday off. So, you know, we realize that one of the things that people hate about hairdressing is having to work Saturdays. So we actually give them flexibility to work every other Saturday if they want. And like I said, not everybody does.
0: No, they don't. But it, I don't think it's the changing face, I think, that of hairdressing. Because certainly when I trained, Saturday was the key day. It was the busy day and everyone had to work it. So you never got a weekend. I, it was a Sunday and a Monday. And that's, yeah. in fact, my whole life, Sundays and Mondays have been my days off. Yeah. But I think that the way in which people, the, the everyday working people, even before COVID, it's changed. And so Monday can be as busy as Saturday. It just yeah. depends how you market yourself, doesn't it?
1: It does, absolutely. Because most people in every industry have got flexible working hours. So mm. we found that yes, Saturday is not our busiest day anymore, because there's usually only half the team in. But it's meant that the other days like Fridays and Tuesdays are much busier
0: yeah yeah it's like that with paul Edmonds. so i mean i i just i can't quite get my head around not working a saturday but i also realise that you know i don't have any kids um my partner's not always here is always you know doing stuff on as well so it's like i'd just be sort of getting up and it would be like any day of the week to me it wouldn't make any difference so i'm yeah. quite happy to work saturdays but i think a lot of there's a lot of young people and a lot of young families that work in our industry, isn't there? Yeah. And so, you know, for them, that could be quality time with their husband or their girlfriend or their boyfriend or whatever, or taking the kids to a class or something.
1: Exactly. That's it. So, I mean, we have got a lot of young women who have young families in, in, but in our salons, all women. So uh, right. we have a lot of mums and we want to offer them the quality of life that they deserve. And yeah. working every Saturday is really hard for a mum.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think the pressures on women in this industry, I think on women in general, working women, are much more than they are on men. Yeah. Um, Somehow men can absolve themselves of those kind of responsibilities, and even in the press at the moment, that seems to be worse. Yeah. Getting worse.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: How did you learn to put systems in place? Was it complete failings all the time or was it learned curves or did you set out to understand it?
1: Yeah so it was we struck lucky I would say for the first seven years where we just were failing but we didn't know you know we were still kind of bringing in a lot of money but we didn't realise we were failing we had quite a high turnover of apprentices um, and we didn't really know or even really Stop to think why. And yes. it wasn't until the business really, really hit a real hard patch, financially difficult time, where we had to really, we stripped back. So going into these financial difficulties puts you in a position where you have to look at what you're spending and you have to look at what's happening in your business. So it put us into a situation where we had to do something. And actually, we st- we've got some business coaches. So we yeah. started working with the business coach do you know nobody teaches you how to do business in, in our industry? Nobody.
0: Nobody. I couldn't agree more.
1: You know, it's so important. I think there's like a brief module in level three. I think you can go on to do level four and it's another little module about business. But I think that there has to be so much more business added onto a hairdressing apprenticeship, even if it's just down to how to market yourself on social media or how to manage your money or how to, you know, if you are going to open a business, how you do that. So skipped over massively.
0: uh, Many, many years ago, my friend Nancy Braun, who's been on this podcast said that it's some, it was somehow wrong that we didn't teach hairdressers about money. I mean, a lot of people come into hairdressing and have not been exposed to money and you can make a lot of cash in it and you can fritter it all away Mm -hmm. and you you know you see a lot of the young kids and they're buying all the goods but how much money they've got in the bank account (laughs) yeah me too (laughs) that was
1: me you know I had no clue either and um when we opened the business financially we were doing so well like we were we were living it up.
0: I'm let trying. it rain, let it rain. <laughs> totally. Yeah.
1: But, you know, then when, when it really got to the point where we had to had to look at what we were doing, then well, it was hard to get was, used to spending normal that, amounts of money.
0: Was that the recession, the last recession that we had?
1: Um, We kind of did okay through the last recession. It was more down to we had another business partner and he left. So it would kind of left the business in a bit of a rocky situation where Mm. we ended up having to dissolve our first, you know, our first business and then start a new one. So there was stuff that had gone on behind the scenes. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah. Lots of lessons learned there, I'm sure.
1: Oh, loads of lessons (laughs) (laughs) learned. But it definitely made us so much better at everything in the business really from down to managing your stock buying only what you need you know that kind of stuff (laughs) buying what you need that's a big thing
0: I think that's a huge thing isn't it because everyone's like I need I need I need I need and you can hear it in the staff room we need to get this we need to get that but people don't understand uh, there was a great post um by Harriet Stokes the other day about yeah. the cost of a service yeah. and it, you know the time the product the hourly rate you know the VAT if you have to pay that I mean there are so many things that goes into a, into a price structure and quite often I think people well you all know this too from talking to hairdressers I'd be on a course and somebody said well I only charge 40 pounds for a colour correction and I'm like yeah how is that possible
1: it's not possible and
0: it's not possible and no. I think that this this new recession that we're in, these, these difficult times, people are going to really struggle and have to reevaluate and look, aren't they?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the things that, obviously, I teach social media, but in, in the social media teaching, I talk about your perfect guest. And that's always my big opening start is perfect guest, perfect guest. But when we figured out the perfect guest for social media, what it did was when we figured out who who our perfect guest was in the salon it stopped us buying things that our perfect guest wouldn't have so as an example i mean in the site where we are in cornwall our perfect guest is a mom she likes natural things she's eco-friendly she loves plastic free so for us getting in a crazy color range it doesn't suit our perfect guest and how many times have we had a rep walk into the salon Bowl us over with this great new treatment, service, product, whatever. We buy it in; it's hundreds, and then we can't move it off the shelf because our guest doesn't want it. Yes. You know, so you have to know who who's your salon, who's your business for, who's using it, and knowing that actually cut out a hell of a lot of wastage for us.
0: Yeah, well, it would do, wouldn't it? Because yeah. I mean, the rep's job is to sell. That, that product company's their job is to sell. It's our job, I think, to sell the services to the clients. But if, like you say, your perfect guest, if she, if you've bought a ton of Vivids in, and it's only mm. 6% of the market anyway, I mean, the obsession with Vivids, I'm not quite sure, but I think it's hair, it's a hairdressing obsession, not a yeah. client obsession. Um, but you buy a ton of Vivids, they will just sit there forever.
1: Yeah, and we've done that a million times. Like when we moved into our most recent premises, we moved st- all the stock obviously from one premises to the other and we were moving these boxes of stock that were just covered in dust that we'd bought and probably spent hundreds of pounds on more than mm. hundreds probably thousands and we'd been and we just moved them from one shop to another and they're never going to get used by our perfect guests no. they don't want them
0: no i love the way you explain that in such simple simple terms i mean so eloquently put that it just I'm going to use that perfect guest analogy all the time. It's For me, it, reds, I mean, I love a copper and everything, but I could go months without putting a red in the hair. I always think the red shelf, it's like, well, what's that there for? I mean, I need, i have so commercial. I'm like, I need some golds. I need some golden coppers. I need tons of neutralizing because yeah. I spend my day neutralizing or subduing. That's all I ever do, it seems. Um, and so you walk into some salons and they've got everything. And I'm like... Who uses all of that?
1: Nobody does. So it's no. such a false investment, isn't it? Like when you mm. think if you have if you look at your shelves today and you think about your perfect guest and if you've got something that's sitting on your shelf then it's been there a year, that needs to just go. You need to either like sell it off at cost price or just move it on on some sort of sale, bar- bargain bucket in the salon or give it away to people for free. Whatever it is, there's no point in having thousands of pounds sitting on the shelf.
0: No. And there's no point buying thousands of pounds worth of it. I always do that little test with my finger, that Mrs. Bouquet test, where I go across with a white glove. And if if the product's got loads of dust on the top of it, I'm like, well, what's the point of it being here?
1: Yeah. And we used to always feel like, especially in the colour dispensary, like the reds, exactly like you were saying, you know, your deep purples and things like that. We always had like five or six of them at any one time. Max two. We'd need one or two. Like we need one maybe. And and now the way we all kind of work as well a bit more, we're all in touch with our clients a bit more. So I don't know whether you do some sort of kind of like FaceTime consultation or even if you've got a new client coming in, for example, we would never have a new colour client in without a consultation.
0: No, I agree with you completely.
1: So if this client is requesting that they want coppers, golds, purples, whatever it is, Yes, we can order it. And our company delivers like the next day. It's not like we can't get it. So then if you think you're going to need these more specialist colours, then get them in. You know, we've got like, we've got our um, dispensary to such a, I say we, I've got nothing to do with it. It's Nadine. I I
0: love um, the fact that you say
1: we though. And when Nadine listens to it, she'll hear me say we, we, we. And she'll be like, what? She doesn't go, I'm not a colourist. So, but I really respect what Nadine does because she's like on it with the stock control. So, but we have, you could go in there sometimes and think, oh, there's not enough, but there's always an order on the way. So she is like, it's, she's bang on with it. And that's,
0: definitely helped our business yeah yeah absolutely and I always think that you you can hear members of staff saying oh but I use that and I I watch the tube and I think how long is that tube going to stay there for and I can guarantee you that it's used once every blue moon so yeah I love that I love the fact you talk about virtual consultations because obviously we've had one lockdown we're in another one we're probably going to be in and out of them for a long time now um, until everyone gets vaccinated and all of those things. For our industry, the embrace of technology has been has been really great, I think. And I, I think virtual consultations are great if you can mail out an allergy alert test, especially if you're in somewhere and not everyone's local, they can't get to you or they're busy. It sort of takes that one step for them, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it does. And it's
0: only something that really started being talked about I think, on such a massive scale, recently...
1: Mm, I think a virtual consultation is better than no consultation at all. It's still... Mm. I mean, an in-person one is, like, the best, obviously. But you can't skip a consultation. I mean, this is the most important part of it. And who wants to get a new client sitting in their chair? Especially now, right? We're all, you know, when we are working, we are back to back in these longer appointment times that we've set out because you've got the cleaning either end you can't do as many people in a day as we used to do so do you want to waste that hour in not being able to perform the service for the client that they want or having to try and rush it in an hour so you know Mm. even if you speak to them online through instagram or whatsapp or however you do it it's better than nothing
0: so I don't like to do consultation personally. I don't like to do them on Instagram or WhatsApp. Uh, it, I don't mind having a phone conversation with somebody or, you know, direct them back through the salon. Because I think that what can happen with that is then people start messaging you all the t- night and day. And it, <laughs> that you know, is so it's true. like It fills up. <laughs> yeah. But I, I learned from, from some friends of mine that when they do their online stuff, they do the FaceTime. Mm-hmm. They insist on all these different angles of pictures without without filters in natural daylight and they've really broken it down well so that it's 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 not as great as being in person, but There's a two-year hair history. They're trying to get as much information as they can beforehand.
1: Yeah, everything's possible. I mean, digital, doing everything digital now is just like exactly as you said. Hairdressers, we used to be rubbish at this kind of thing, didn't we? Like even working the salon computer, I think most hairdressers were like, oh, no. But I think as an industry, like we have embraced technology so much. It's incredible. Better than other industries, I think.
0: I think it's I think better than other industries. I also think that we we don't give ourselves enough credit that we are ever changing. This industry we're ever changing, we're ever trying, we're always learning. And we can be really quite robust. Obviously there are failures in that, but you know, there are failures in in our work some days. We're humans, we can get things wrong. But yeah. we also I think we address stuff quickly. Yeah,
1: we're a very adaptable bunch, that's yeah. for sure.
0: I think that's the phrase I was looking for. Thank you.
1: (laughs) We definitely are a very adaptable bunch. And I think that's, I mean, that comes from our years of having to think quick and think on your feet, like literally think on your feet, hasn't it? From the type of work that we do, because we have to be able to adapt quickly and come up with a new plan very quickly. It happens every day in the salon behind the chair.
0: It really does. And I think that's a really great segue into what you're doing at the moment. And it's the last two years you've been starting to teach teaching social media. Yes. And I, I wanted to know, well, first of all, I, I think that if it wasn't until lockdown that more hairdressers noticed the importance of the conversation of social media, because it's a great way of staying in touch with your clients. Yeah, how, how did you get into that?
1: Okay, so I said that we had business coaches. Right. The business coaches, they're hair, hairdressing business coaches. And they, so I had been working on our social media. I've been designing our perfect guest, getting a brand guidelines together. Like really, I put everything into social media. I was learning everything I could and reading every blog and really absorbing everything I could about social media. Now, this is only I, May can, 2018. Can, can, sorry.
0: Sorry, can I ask you though? Yeah. Was that, was are you naturally curious and naturally want... Or was it something that you had to force yourself to do in as far as reading and researching?
1: I am naturally curious.
0: Right, Yeah, cool.
1: I am naturally that type of person. So I am the type of person who... No, I don't just want to... Sorry, I don't just want to know how to do something. I want to know why. And okay. I want to know all of the ins and outs of it. And that's just my nature. And I am... Um, have an ability, which most educators do, to be able to take difficult concepts and basically turn them into a more simplified version of that for other people to understand. So my business coaches started asking me about our social media and I started to explain to them a few bits and bobs of what I was doing and why I did it like that. And they said, oh my God, the way you explained that was so good. Would you be our social media coach? So wow, nice. so yeah, so I said yes. And I worked with them for a year as their social media coach. And that's really where I cut my teeth on teaching this content and yeah. supporting other salons to get their social media looking good. And But for me, I know there's a lot of social media coaches out there who teach you how to make it look good. And that is a, an important part. But for me, the the whole point of your Instagram is to grow your business and to use it as a business tool. So I never focus solely on growing followers because that is, that happens organically. When you're getting it right, that happens organically, but there's no point in all of those followers living outside of your area and never coming to your salon. So- Hail Mary, thank (laughs) goodness. Yeah?
0: It's like, I say this all the time. I, you know, for me, it's important because of my role with Schwarzkopf to have my global role, to have people to be speaking to different countries. But it's like, if you're in, you know, in where I live, my area, there's no point, and I have a business, there's no point me speaking to people in Aberdeen or, you know, India or Mumbai, unless I want to, because what I want to do is I want to bring in local people and even more so in this COVID time, bring in more local people into the chair. And I also wanted to say to you, Vivian, that it is not every educator that takes things and simplifies them. I think that's a true gift, by the way.
1: Oh, that's good. Yes, I do have that gift. So, and yeah. and also because I really love teaching this and I love the light bulb moments for people because when they go onto Instagram first, they sign up and they think that the aim of the game is to grow that number at the top of the page. And it's not that. And once I can give them the freedom to not keep looking at that number... Then they realise that they've got something really powerful in their hand yes. to actually connect with people in their local community. Yes. So I so I did um a couple of days boot camp this week. And Yes, because
0: it's it's the it's the first, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, congratulations yeah, on that. No, by
1: thank you so much. So, yeah, so I've got courses running all the time, and this is just my little boot camp course that I did this week. So people ask, I explain about hashtags because I heard somebody say once that they don't believe in hashtags. And I'm like, you don't believe in hashtags? Like, how can you not believe in them? They exist and they are a thing. So, (laughs) you know, so they said, what's the best hashtags to use? And I said, well, you can't just have the best, the list of the best hashtags to use, because it depends on your strategy, your aim, what do you want to achieve? They're like, well, should I use hashtag behind the chair, a really big one? And I was like, So you want clients, right? You want clients to visit your salon. Are they looking at hashtag behind the chair? No. So you want to be using something like, let's say, hashtag Penzance Business. Like, you know, niche it right down into what's relevant to your clients and the type of hashtags they engage in and not the type of hashtags you as a hairdresser engages in because they're two very different things. And once you can understand how to use hashtags to grow, then it's like, boom, light bulb. And I literally at that point, when I teach this bit of the course, I, f- I want to get a microphone and just go, boom, mic drop.
0: <laughs> mic drop. I love it.
1: <laughs> that's what I feel like every time because the whole, they go quiet and they just look at me and I'm like, there you go. That's, the, that's what you need to be doing. This is for growing your business, right? It's a, it's, social media is social and it's fun and all of those things but we used properly and you know jack because you do this used properly it is a very very powerful tool to grow your business and it's free the only thing you yeah. need to give it is your time
0: and i think that that's the, uh, the two things in that yes it's free yes it is a business tool and i think people get confused um and And the majority of us want to be businesses, not entertainers. And I think that's all you have to remember. It's a business and don't put on it any of your particularly private stuff. There's no need for that. That's not what clients come to you for. They come to you for your skill set. And you can showcase a little bit of personality, maybe in stories. I
1: agree. That's exactly what I say. That's exactly what I say. That is it. So this is your Instagram is your brochure it's your yes. beautifully crafted editorial magazine you've sat there with all of your editors and you've made sure that your monthly magazine is beautiful so the way i explain the different platforms to people is instagram is your magazine facebook is right. your n- newspaper and yes. stories is sky news so th- and once you can kind of treat them in those I love ways. do you like that, that?
0: <laughs> analogy that's fantastic yeah
1: but once you can see them as what they're doing for you in the different types of publications or media let's say because everybody understands those things then they can see how to behave on each bit so even on instagram as a platform the different areas of instagram you can behave on differently so your feed is your magazine obviously your stories your sky news and your reels brand new your reels is like is a showcase reel for something else on your page. So the way I've been using it is to, because we're all just playing around with Reels right now, but the way I've been using Reels is to use them as a showcase for a longer IGTV. So make your IGTV tutorial by all means, but then do like an advert for it in your Reels and direct people kind of to come and visit your your page more.
0: It's all about directing people back to the page and it's about the... The thing that gets me is that people don't seem to understand that you've got to engage with your audience. If you don't, everyone's like, oh, does somebody do that for you, Jack? I'm like, no, it's me yeah. taking away at night time. Um, because I think that it's, it's really important to keep your voice, this word is bantered around, and, but authentic. It's yeah. got to be you. Yeah. And that's what authentic means, isn't it? Yes. Really? you're not trying to be something else, yeah. Um,
1: you want to build these think... meaningful relationships with people, and, and that yes, and they have to be, I mean, they don't have to be deep and meaningful for sure, but no. if somebody comes and follows you, you know, it's polite, isn't it, to actually maybe say thank you for following me or commenting on something on their page. Like if you behave on Instagram, how you behave in real life, then there's an element of like just being polite to people. So when somebody comes up and says hello to you, you don't just, blank them you know well, depends <laughs> well, yeah, no, depend. I, yeah it depends <laughs> on
0: any glasses of wine you've had no I agree with you but I also think if, if a small business I think it's important to follow that person back
1: yeah for sure
0: because you you want to be commented if it's a client that's followed you you definitely want to follow that client yeah. you want to be able to say oh you're looking great or oh you know blah 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 because it's a way in which you can stay in touch
1: yeah absolutely you can really get to know people as well before they even come to your salon so you're building like familiarity and trust Mm. and I can't tell you how many times people have come into our salon and said like I feel like I already know you because we do a lot of meet the team type of things we we actually present the team quite often because it builds this human brand you know people don't want to just see pictures of hair they need to see your hair obviously but There's more to your business. What makes your business special? What makes somebody choose you over the salon down the road? And it could be that you do nice coffee. It could be that your girls look really smiley. It could be, you know, it's not always just because you do good hair. Because everyone does good hair in the UK. And, it, you know, 99% of salons in the UK are doing really good hair. So I really believe in this brochure, in your editorial magazine of Instagram, that's where you need to be showing all of the what else do we do?
0: Yes, because it's, the, like you say, it's the window into your business. Plus, I don't think I want to see the back of a head of hair. No. Uh, pages and pages and pages of it. I just think it's so boring. I'm yeah. sort of done with it.
1: Yeah, we all you know? are done with it. And even clients are done yeah. with it. You know, we, we always see lots of other hairdressers because I work in the hairdressing industry, so I obviously teach to other hairdressers. So my feed mm. is full of hair, like full of hair, and it can be really, really boring. But clients' feeds, so I wouldn't wouldn't not do hair. Definitely show off your hair for sure. And clients' news feeds don't look like ours. You know, they don't follow all the hair we do. So definitely show off the beautiful hair. I love pictures like hands in hair or really nice action shots in the salon, laughing faces, you know, that kind of thing, building up an image an overall image of your business
0: yeah yeah I agree with you i I think it's harder for salons to find their voice when they offer multiple services I think it's slightly harder but than it is than offering like I, I you know I do one thing apparently I only do one thing even though we know that i
1: I bet you I'm don't just do one thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: but I've, I've stuck to that. And it's, been, it's easier to navigate that conversation because it's boom, 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 boom. But as a business that's uh, trying to attract clients into the salon to see all their team members and everything, you, I think you do need to highlight all those things. And there must be ways in which it works and which it doesn't, which they probably can explore with you.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm a big believer in team pages, basically other team, your team members all having their own page, branded as well. Um, and I'm a massive believer, Jack, and I know. And you're the king of this in niching down. So we actually really encourage every team member to have their niche. So they will have wow. a balayage niche, or we had one girl who was copper specialist. I I work with curly hair, and um, and it doesn't mean I don't do other things because of course I do. But yes. my niche would be that, and that would be on my own page. I would talk only about curls. Jade would talk only about balayage, you know. So we use the methods that you use as well, but they're kind of more of a collective.
0: I think that's really clever. I've never heard it put like that before.
1: Yeah, it works really, really well. And then on the salon page, the salon page is kind of like a collection of the best of the best.
0: And do you curate, curate your salon page from the best of the best of... The- of each person's pages, or do you get a team? Do you as is it like a group conversation, so nobody feels sort of pushed out the way, or is it like the is it the goal of the team to get onto the salon page, so it becomes like a competition who can get the best shots and all that kind of stuff? Um, do you make it fun?
1: Well, I wish it was like that because that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds great. No, I, don't, I Actually, don't know. Coming to your
0: next, coming to your next course.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I'm like, oh, hang on, I've got something going on here. Um, so basically, we just have a bank, a content bank that yeah. uh, that drops into me. So I have the content bank. They basically airdrop back to themselves from. We have a salon phone, and we take all of the pictures on one phone. The, that right. phone sits there. It's not. Uh, it hasn't got a SIM card in it. It's just a salon phone. So yep. the, every picture is taken on the same phone. So it's the same quality. It's all taken nice. in the same place. It's all taken exactly the same way. I am actually right in front of me have my whole social media guidelines, which is ah. for our team. So that's like a 10-page document on how to do it. And again... But
0: so that's what I was going to ask you. Did, so, you know, I mean, you're just saying this, 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 this. Obviously, there's this policy in place. Yeah. Did the team embrace that not, or did you have to drag some along the oh, journey?
1: You know, like this is a, this is a <laughs> group of people, okay? So you've got two people. I always say it's like the this is the way everything works in everything that you do. In 10 people, you get two people who are like, yes, let's go for it. You get six who are like, mm, and then you get two who are like, I'm definitely not doing that. And that's just yeah. no matter what you do, that's the way it works. It's not always the same people in each bit either. But so when we started doing this, no, people didn't really think that it was something that they needed to do. They thought it was a bit of a pain. Their clients weren't going to want to have their picture taken. They didn't have time to get a picture at the end. Um, And then the two who did embrace it and thought, Viv, this is brilliant. I'm totally going to get on board with this, started getting loads and loads of new clients and requests, new requests. And it just made everybody else's ears prick up and think, hang on a minute, why am I not getting all these new requests? And, it, and now it's just become part of the culture of the salon.
0: The no's are usually from people who are fearful in everything. I mean, if you come up with an idea, and it's very English to give all the reasons why you can't have an idea, mm. whereas it's quite American to kind of say, OK, let's find a solution. Yeah. Um, but the no's are based in fear, aren't they? I mean, you, we see it everywhere
1: yeah there was all in the beginning a lot and this is how we came up with the salon phone because we had all of the excuses of Mm. my phone's rubbish my storage is full my my camera's cracked my screen's cracked whatever and um, so we just kind of took all of those excuses away by saying okay well there's a phone that you're going to use and um, for people who didn't want to do it not many people say no to me Jack (laughs) (laughs) They, um, they might say no. that could be a whole new
0: podcast.
1: (laughs) They might say no in the background, (laughs) but they did do it and they did get on board. And and it's that's one of the things that's really been a massive like benefit to our salon because we went from 17 new guests every month to 77 within the first six, six weeks of like bringing this guidelines in and all really agreeing to make sure that we up our game on social media.
0: That's brilliant. Yeah. That's an amazing story. It is. Really, really cool.
1: It is. And I, I'm not naturally, I know you said, are you naturally curious? And I'm definitely, am naturally curious, but I'm not one of those lucky people who was an early adopter of Instagram. Like I started this social media journey in May, 2018. Mm. Yeah, so I'm very new to social media, but I've seen so much success in our business because of it. And not just in our business, in my personal career because of yeah. social media. I think
0: that you, it, you don't have to be doing it for a long time. You just have to get your head around it and start doing it because the, the market's still there. It's not like just because this person's got 50,000 followers is that you're not going to get any. Or you're, the salon down the street's got 5,000 followers. You're never going to reach that. You've got to start with one follower anyway.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And you
0: just build on it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people, when I meet them, they'll say to me, social media doesn't work for our salon. And I'm like, no, it's not that social media doesn't work for your salon. You just haven't, fit, haven't learned how to make it work. And there's yeah. an ele- element with social media where you've got to put in to get back out to. So, you know, so you've got to work for it to, for it to work for you.
0: Yeah, it's not a magic turn on the button and it happens. Oh,
1: I wish it um, was.
0: <laughs> I wish it was too, but uh, you know I mean, if anything, I'm in that age group where I could turn around and say, oh no, it's not for me, but it's I've done really well out of it, yeah you know me too. but it it's a lot. Of work, you have to do it.
1: Yeah, it is. But I mean, I I really encourage people not to let it take over their life. So on my courses, I teach people... I need to come on your course then. Yeah, you do, Jack, because you have to have your life. You have to have your evening. Um, I love Instagram. I'm on Instagram all the time because I just like... I'm a bit of a casual scroller. But when I'm using it, when it's work, I have a set timer. I have 20 minutes set on my phone for my engagement method that I teach. So I, I do my engagement method for 20 minutes. That's my business. That's Nobody wants to do work for any longer than they have to. So my 20-minute timer is set and I don't let myself get distracted. I do it then. And then if you want to scroll for fun, scroll for fun afterwards. But you have to treat it like a business tool. Yes. I think that's where people are getting confused. Like, it, <clears throat> it you can grow your business through Instagram, you can. It is totally possible if you know the methods and treat it like a business tool.
0: Right, I'm definitely booking in with you on that one then (laughs) because I get things like, I'm going to throw that bloody phone out the window if you don't put it down. I get that oh, yeah. all the oh, time. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God.
1: Well, when I started yeah. back in May 2018, I tell you what, I was that close to divorce. My social media was so good, but I think I was going to be handed a brown envelope with some divorce papers in it because my husband yeah. was sick to death of it because I didn't manage it then. I didn't yeah. manage it like I do now. So I've, learned, so I've I, learned a lot of really good ways to manage it.
0: I turned off every single notification on mine so I you know unless I'm actually on it I I turn my phone to the screens down at nine o'clock the phone is actually cut off so nobody can call me yeah. after nine o'clock I don't take any calls after then so there are there are ways in which I try but you know I mean I'm just I'm an addict
1: yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm I gonna think... be on a, a 12-step program
1: <laughs> well I have a 12-week course
0: <laughs> there you go
1: but it doesn't, get, it, it, doesn't it doesn't get you off Social media getting it, it more hooked.
0: <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. I had great, great information out there. And also for everyone that's listening, if you go to Vivian's page, you actually see that she's got loads of free tips on there as well, which is really, really interesting. So uh have a look. What's the Instagram handle, Vivian?
1: It's Vivian Johns underscore.
0: Vivian Johns underscore. There you go. We'll put that in the bio for you down there. I'll Hair.com. What is hair.com? What are you doing in hair.com? I mean, I, I'm seeing it everywhere. I'm not quite clear what it is, but I think I am. Can you tell me?
1: Yeah, I can. So you are going to see even more of hair.com and you won't, you won't be confused as what it is when you start to see more of us. So basically, we are a collaboration, a collective, um, an art team put together by the absolutely lovely Craig Chapman and Ashley. You know both of them, don't you? Uh,
0: yes, I do. Ashley yeah. Hodges. I've got a very yeah. soft spot for Ashley.
1: She's amazing, isn't she? Mm. So they've kind of gathered together all of these hairdressers from around the world and the four corners of the UK and put us all together in hair.com. And it, we're not brand affiliated. We are completely independent and we have skills from in literally every single area of the hairdressing industry. And they've kind of cherry picked people for their individual talents, but right. people who are really good at working together as a team as well. So I'm so lucky. I am working with some of the most amazing hairdressers in the country. I can't quite believe it. But you know, and you just have to keep pinching yourself and you think, okay. Yeah, this is incredible. Like Michelle Thompson's on there. Um, you've got Casey Coleman on there.
0: Yeah. You've Casey's got... a, an Instagram friend of mine. I consider him an Instagram friend, you know? Yeah,
1: and he is the most lovely guy, honestly. You've got um obviously Ashley and Craig, you've got yeah. Matt, who's an incredible men's hair cutter and barber. And it's just and we are and guess what? We've got Carolyn Newman. I love who is, into, yeah. yeah, so she is basically putting together right now an educational prospectus. So we as the Hair.com team are going to be going out and on the road educating in 2021. And we're all educating in our own specific areas.
0: Interesting. The, the, this is something that is, is cropping up more and more on this podcast, and that is the rise of the independent educator. Yeah. And the seems the that there are more and more and more of us and people I, th- I think it's the Instagram effect, really, that people are looking outside of product companies and going into individuals and the, the individuals might be associated with a product company. And that's absolutely great. But it's mm. it's education's changed, hasn't it?
1: It really has, because I think when you, so we all are individually kind of work in brands as well. So I work for WeDad, I educate with WeDad. So the thing with hair.com that is amazing is that we are all still free. We're all still, we're part of this collective, but we're free to go and do whatever else we want to do. Like they, they're big believers in like, this is a true collective and a collaboration so Mm. we're not owned by hair.com and hair.com allows us to go and do other things also so like i said i work with we dad and then there's other people on the team who have other affiliations with other brands but i think that just makes us stronger
0: i think it's brilliant
1: yeah because you know back in the day like in the 90s if you were on the Tony and Guy art team, let's say, you were like going to be delivering this collection and you're going to be delivering these haircuts and you're going to do them this way and the colour placement is this and that's what you're going to teach for the whole entire year and there was absolutely no room for individual creativity in that. So Mm -hmm. I think that people are bored of that, that rigid kind of... And also educators who've got a lot to offer become super bored of being owned by a brand
0: you yeah.
1: know so I've been told this is how you're going to teach this and I think for people like the type of people that are on the team Harriet Stokes one of your other guests she's on on the oh, team as well. as well yeah the type of people that we are we want to have freedom and flexibility and you know creative and creative input we don't we don't want to be told this is how you do it this is what you say and this is what's going to happen
0: Well, there was a point when brands wouldn't necessarily let you go off and be an independent educator, but now you can represent a brand and represent yourself too. Because the the whole, and this sounds a bit, you know, it's overused again, but the personal brand that you build now is, is as relevant as the brands that you work with.
1: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more because like, I think brands have had to, brands were slow to come to catch up with this idea though, Mm. weren't they? They definitely Mm. were. But now, so where we would be waiting for brands to kind of, or maybe we might go and approach a brand and say, I'd really like to come and educate for you. And then they'd go away and think about it and you'd wait and think, "Am am I going to get this gig or not? Now, because you can build such a strong personal brand on Instagram, they come looking for you.
0: Yes. Like it's
1: totally the tables have turned. The actual, the individuals have got more power and control over what they do, when they do it and how they do it than the brands do anymore. The brands have to kind of bend to us a little bit more now, I think.
0: I think, I think this is an interesting one because I think that, this is my own personal belief on this, I think that, Educators who have been sort of run through that professional system, uh, if they can maneuver into an Instagram world, they can deliver great education in a new way of communicating it. But if, and that they can make it more personal, but if uh, somebody who's been great on Instagram, possibly, but that has no professional education experience, that when they deliver a class, a lot of the people that come to it can be disappointed by it. And we only have to look at the USA market to understand that the USA market is always ahead of us, it seems. That the there was this rise of the independents and then there was a backlash against some of them and then what you're left with is strength.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so I think educators, freelance educators, I I I definitely agree with what you're saying. I think the best ones are the ones who've had almost a foot in both camps. So they've yes. got slightly one foot in corporate, just so you understand it. And there's nothing wrong with corporate because they're their training to make you a really good educator is incredible. Yeah. And to actually learn the learn how to teach is is really good. So yeah, just being, you know, Instagram famous and deciding you're going to teach, I totally get where you're coming from, because it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to deliver a good class.
0: Yes. And that. so I love, I love the independence. I'm a huge supporter of of everyone that's doing that. My only concern is, is that I I worry about standards of delivering good commercial education. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying by association that I worry about you in that or anything. But (laughs) what I'm saying is that sometimes I'm like, ooh, you know, and I'll see things, I'll be like, ooh. And and also, I suppose I need to, um, yeah, I I need to be open to different ways of approaching things too because that's the way you learn.
1: Yeah, I think there's a a lot of colour educators now who teach their methods um, and don't necessarily teach the why, yeah. and um, and I think that might leave people in a situation back in the salon where they've got the method it hasn't quite worked out, and they 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 don't know why, and then, because they don't know why they don't know how to fix it, yes. so I think for sure, I agree, but i I guess I guess it's horses for courses as well because yeah. you know. People will find the type of educator that they want and sometimes they will cast their net wide and go on courses that they're a bit like, oh, that didn't really work, work. for me or whatever. And, but then <coughs> somebody else might go on that same person's course and all they need to know is the methods yeah. and they might think it's amazing. So in a way, it is, it is horses for courses, isn't it?
0: And it's a whole new world out there, isn't it? So I yeah. mean, it's a whole new world out there. And in a new world, some things work and some things don't.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. There's so much digital education now. And yeah. I think this is this is one thing that for com, why you haven't actually seen our education programme yet is because we are going to be delivering it in person. We, there, there may be, we're talking a little bit maybe about the social media side of things being digital because yeah. be, between Casey Coleman, Harriet Stokes and myself, we are putting together a party package (laughs) social media party time basically but we may we may do that online but we still feel like that would be better in person I do all my classes in online um, and digitally but I think for hair.com the the feeling of that collective for us will be more about when we can actually stand in a room with other people yeah that's the type of people we all are
0: I think most of us hairdressers it's lovely to be in the room. And it's a different learning experience in the room to how it is online. Yeah. Um, and there, there's there's something about... like I'm doing it now. I'm, like, looking, pointing my eyes, pointing at you. And it's not like a crazy person, everyone, but just sort of, like, <laughs> gesticulating. Like, he, and... he, no, it is. You're
1: like a crazy <laughs> person. <laughs> and
0: you, you can't do that digitally because, you know, unless it's a Zoom... I mean, certainly when I'm doing an Instagram Live, I can't see... The 2,000 people or anything like that. It's impossible. Um, yeah. And so I think there's, there's all different ways of approaching it. But I yes. love in person. I love yeah. in person.
1: What I teach, it, it can be taught so well online. Mm. In fact, yeah. it, it actually, what, the, what I teach works really, really well online, because I sit and it's very interactive. So I do all of my courses on a Facebook Live. So it's yeah. in, in private Facebook groups. And I sit and I talk, and it's quite conversational. And they'll ask me questions, and I feel like I spend every Monday night with this group. So I have a, a coaching group that's going on at the moment. These are my twelve-week courses, and honestly, I get to know them so well. Like I don't know their faces, so I've never seen their faces. But I get to know them and their business, and it's I love that. That works really well for me. That wouldn't but work necessarily. They're quite to,
0: intimate, though, aren't
1: they? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so they're quite a, a small group. This group is yeah. sixty-six people.
0: That's not too intimate. That's it's not that's too intimate. Group. No, I yeah. mean, but
1: you, I could have up to two hundred. I find yeah. the sweet spot is is I did a lot of courses last lockdown. One of them I had uh, two hundred and thirty people on it, and that was too many because yeah. I couldn't keep up with the questions. I couldn't keep up with the interaction. And I felt just overwhelmed by it. But I think for me, the perfect number on a digital course is 120. That's oh, wow. like beautiful. Yeah, because when you, have, when you have 120 people who are doing your, your online course, 120 people don't turn up. So my lives are saved on the Facebook group for seven course, days. Of
0: course, they tune in later. Yeah. yeah,
1: so they can watch it on catch up. So when you have 120, you normally get around 80 people turn up. And that is, like, the nicest amount of people to talk to because it's chatty, it's interactive, it's it's just really fun. I find that really good. So I always kind of, like, for my 12-week courses, for the one that starts in January, my aim is 100 people up to 120. Um, but I'm going to be super selective about who I take. Right. So I, I want people to commit to it. I don't want to work with people who i going
0: to do four weeks and then be like, oh, you know, yeah. so. So uh, my friend Carrie, who has helped me so much, it's the same, same kind of thing. It's like, if the person isn't super committed to it, then there is, there is no point in bothering with it because it's, you know, what's the point?
1: Yeah. And then I always feel like if they aren't super committed to it, they spent a lot of money on it. They've done the 12 weeks and they didn't commit to it. And then uh, and it's
0: a reflection I, on you.
1: I, exactly. I feel like it's, yeah. if they're not going to leave with a good testimonial of what I've nope. taught them. So so people have started booking on to my January course already because I've I'm on the marketing campaign right now for this. (laughs) So people have started booking on it. And I do go and check them out. And I do have a little chat with them, however it is, whether it's through Instagram or emails or whatever. And I do just try and find out a little bit more about them. You know, Mm. so, so far I've been lucky. I haven't had to tell anybody no just yet. But when I get to the further end and I'm going to be, my numbers are coming to the most limited, then I'm going to be like having a look and thinking,
0: sorry, no. Um, And she does say no, everyone. She's told me no about three times through this conversation (laughs) today. Um, And finally, I mean, just a great chat today. Finally, what are Little Mix as fantastic as they seem?
1: Yeah. Yeah, they really
0: are.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they really are.
0: I keep going, hey Siri, play Little Mix.
1: Oh, the, do you know what, working on that show was, it was really weird because um, obviously COVID, right, so it was, we kind of went to it with like not knowing how it was going to be, how are we going to be spaced out, how are we all going to, because as a hairdressing team working on a show like that, Craig is is the director of hair for for a backstage show like that, for a little mix, The Search, and It was like, it was so well done. The way Alchemy Artists and Craig managed that backstage team was incredible. So he, we all had our PPE. We all worked on one band each. It was really, it was really, really well managed. And it was still, even though it was really well managed, it was still so much fun. You know, we were still had fun together. And it was still the absolute buzz that working in TV is. It's just a buzz. It's, it's an addictive buzz. It's weird because at some times during the day, you feel like crying and running away. And I'm like 42. I've been doing hair a long, long time. And I think while I'm there, I'm thinking, why have I done this to myself? I don't need to be doing this. I don't need to feel like this. I don't need to feel this stress. But then after it's done, you have such a buzz, an adrenal, adrenaline rush that you're like, it becomes addictive. And I said to Craig, we were having a drink after the show one night. And I said to Craig, it's funny because normally you'd say it takes all sorts. But in TV, it doesn't take all sorts. It takes one sort. Like it, it takes one type of person to do that type of work. And I think it's the type of person who doesn't take themselves too seriously or go into their head too much if they're told that ponytail's wrong. Like, you can't take that personally. you just got to suck it up and do the ponytail again. And it might be wrong again. And it might be wrong again, and you just have to just, that's it. Then somebody else might come and do the ponytail for you. You cannot take that personally. You just have to just suck it up and just move on. And then when they say, can you do these braids in 20 minutes? You say, yes, I can do those braids in 20 minutes. Braids in 20 minutes." minutes, exactly. Of course I can.
0: Exactly. Vivian, what a fantastic chat. Thank you so much for coming on. I wanted to just say that at the beginning of this conversation, you said it's such a broad, wide range. There's so much that you can do in the industry. And that's something I truly believe. And I think you're truly someone that showcases that you can do so much.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's fab, isn't it? So if you want to be an online educator, you want to work in session or TV, be behind the chair. Yeah. I have tried every part of the industry and I still love every part of the industry. So, yeah, yeah you, it's possible. And I have a salon in Penzance in Cornwall. It's not like I live in London.
0: You don't need to live in London anymore, do you? No. I, mean, that, I think that's it, you know? Brilliant. Thank you so much. And for everyone that's interested, we'll put everything underneath for you so that you can follow Vivian and follow her journey and maybe join in with her.
1: Yeah, so I would much. love that. Thank you, Jack.
0: Absolute pleasure. So, I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did making it for you. Don't forget to subscribe on your channel that you download your podcasts from. iTunes is my favourite, but I know there are others out there. And also, if you want to follow me on stories on Instagram, it's Jack Howard Colour, C O L O R, the American way, not the English way. And on Facebook, it's Jack Howard Colour, C O L O R. And my website is www.jackhowardcolor.com.